Hello and welcome to another episode in Osborne Clark's Mobility as a Service podcast series. Today I'm joined by Tamara Quinn, a partner in Osborne Clark's commercial team and specialist in intellectual property, data privacy and data law generally. Tamara will be talking to us today about intellectual property considerations in mass. Welcome Tamara. Hello. So I think I'm just going to kick off with quite a high level question. What type of intellectual property rights do you think might exist within the mass platform itself? High, high level, but, but big <laughs> question, which, which we, could, we could probably have a whole hour long podcast on. But, um, so, so one of the most obvious things is that the system itself, um, you know, effectively we're talking about software here, and that it, the main form of protection is going to be copyright in software. The great thing about copyright is it arises automatically. You don't need to do anything. You don't have to go and register it in order to, to get it. So that's good. The, the second good thing is it lasts for an awfully long time as well. So um, in the platform itself, there's, there's really there's really good um, uh, protection from copyright. Uh, you can also get things like um, patent rights um, in, pla- in platforms as well. That is something where you have to go and apply for it and persuade the authorities that it's worthy, uh, worthy of a patent. Um, so, uh, but patents are a possibility um, as well. Uh, and, and, and there are some other rights. There can be database rights in some elements of the software that underpins the platform as well. But basically, yeah, those are the sorts of things involved. Um, is, is, is copyright the fundamental one uh, in in the platform itself? Um, and um, yeah, so that that's that's probably the main one in the platform. I I suppose the other one I should just mention are trademarks because um, uh, plat- the platform itself, you know, uh, you've invested heavily in it. it uh, it's an important system and so actually the, the branding of that platform can, can also be, be, be very important uh, as well. Great, thanks Tamara. Um, obviously there's, there's potential for a lot of IP to be in a platform then um, and the thing with mass is that it's lots of stakeholders are involved in the mass ecosystem so how might this intellectual property be prote- uh, protected? I mean, in particular, noting that for a mass platform to operate, it will probably need third parties, not necessarily just transport service providers, but other service providers as well, to integrate their services into the platform. Um, so, yeah, what steps could they take to a platform take to to protect its intellectual property? Yeah, uh, there's, there's kind of two angles. And um, when we say, you know, protection to an IP lawyer, there's two sides to it. One is protecting the IP in the sense of um, uh, filing an application for a patent, as, I, as I've just mentioned. You, you would also file applications for trademarks to protect your branding. So there's that kind of protection um, is, is, is one side of it. There's um, also, of course, um, you know, the, the copyright um, in the underpinning software. You want to protect it in the sense of making sure that whoever has created it, if they're, you know, if they're your employee, then making sure the terms of the employment contract mean that you've got um, the IP. Or if they are, say, uh, a, con- a contractor, you've got in to do it, making sure that your agreement with that contractor makes sure that you've got the rights. So there's, they're sort of protecting it in those senses. Um, and then there's also sort of protecting it as in, you know, protecting your position. 
with these other operators. And the example you, you gave there of people needing to integrate services, um, well, to, to an extent, you're going, it's going to depend on how that integration happens. So who, who, who is, for example, actually going to be writing the bits of code that allow the integration? You know, is it, is it that a platform is going to go, go out to um, a third party's uh, own, own existing platform and pull information off it, for example? Is it going to happen the, the other way around? Is the information going to be fed out of your platform into somebody else's? But all of it's going to require some kind of um, uh, software um, being, being being written to to allow those processes to happen. So the question is, who, who's who's creating who's creating that? The basics of intellectual property law generally are whoever is writing the code in this case. They're the ones who are going to own the copyright in that, and by default, they're the ones who are going to be able to use use it in future. And if you want that basic default position to change then your contract with all these other providers is, need, is going to need to set that out. So in intellectual property, property law, as with everything else, the contract is absolutely crucial. Um, so it's not just a question of thinking, well, there's copyright in um, this piece of, piece of software. It, it's, it's also, what do we want to happen to it? Who do we want to own it to the extent it can be owned? Um, what, who, who's actually allowed to use it? Um, one thing I haven't mentioned so far is, is confidential information. Uh, a lot of these things you can imagine are trade secrets or, or they're highly confidential. And contracts are also going to, to need to deal with that as a, as a kind of intellectual property right as well. So, you know, who's, who's allowed to, um, who's allowed to have access uh, to, to this uh, confidential information and the software and who and your your contracts need need to set that out because um, otherwise something that uh, a third party thinks is confidential you may need to use that to go out to other suppliers and tell them about it as well. So it really it it all comes down to the contract and really thinking through what rights you need, what rights need to be in those co contracts, not just for what it is that you need to do now, but for what it is obviously that you're planning to do in future. Uh, you need to try and build in flexibility a, a, as far as you can. Thanks, Tamara. That's really helpful. And also probably a really good example of why it's, it's worth getting lawyers involved quite early on. <laughs> um, so what about data? Um, so a mass platform will be heavily reliant on good quality data, as will the mass ecosystem as a whole. Um, for example, transport services data, both public and private, ideally, uh, traffic management data and user data. So lots of value will obviously be attached to this data. In an earlier episode in the podcast series, we discussed how from a personal data perspective, there isn't really a concept of data ownership as such. So are there any other ways in which a mass platform operator, for example, could protect and exploit the data that it holds? Yeah, again, uh, another another potentially big question. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, to, a, to an extent, you know, data itself as a sort of raw underlying concept, is, you know, may well be something that's not capable of ownership. I mean, here we're talking about two things. We're talking about personal data. So, you know, the data of how individuals are using the system will 
multi B personal data, which you know has uh, implications under data privacy laws. But also a lot of what we're talking about here will be non-personal data. It will be you know in, in information about, as you said, about the services, about you know which which services are operating where, the prices involved. And also at the, the platform operator is itself going to be generating lots of data about how, how the information is used, how it's queried. It will have a lot of valuable data there. So the, the, there's lots of different types of data. And although, you know, almost in a philosophical sense, uh, raw data may not be capable of ownership, but the intellectual property rights around it uh, can, can be capable of ownership. They, they, Database right is is one that may, most people will have heard of. Um, so um, a lot of the data will probably be subject to database rights. Database rights are slightly slightly tricky things. They don't always provide as much protection as you might think for databases, despite being called database rights. Um, so in terms of protecting it, um, it it's in, it's important to really be aware of what data you're needing to take in and what data you, you're generating so as a platform owner because there are ways in which you treat that data that can make it more likely that you will have um, rights in it uh, so uh, you know it's, it's a complicated area of law but without going into all of it there can be if, if the data that's being generated automatically by, by your system just as part of its day-to-day -day operations. It might be that by um, sort of curating that data, if you put it that way, uh, verifying it, selecting it, cleaning it up, packaging it up, by, by doing things like that, rather than purely storing it as, as, as just the raw data that arises, you, you may be able to um, enhance the chances of getting, for example, database rights a protection for it. And there will also, as I was, I was alluding to earlier, there'll be confidentiality um, in, in the data. Um, but the intellectual property right for data, it is, it is a bit patchy. You have to sort of stitch together things like confidentiality, database rights, and so on in order to protect you, which brings us, brings us really right, right back to what I was just saying before. It, you need to have the contracts in place that say, who does what with which data, who can use the data that you're getting in, that you're generating. Um, and, and the thing to do is to whatever intellectual property rights there may or may not be in it, just make sure that your contract set out who can do what with data, who has the rights to, to keep it, how, how long is it going to be kept for, what can it be used for uh, within your organization. Great, thanks Tamara. Um, we're actually almost out of time, but I do have just, just one final question for you. We sort of touched on the fact that there will be um, several parties potentially involved in in um, in this mass ecosystem and in potentially in creating software as well. But what about third party technologies, um, which a platform operator will need to rely on then? What factors need to be considered to ensure that the mass platform has all the necessary rights to use this this third party IP? I appreciate this is again quite a big question. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it's it's. I think it, a lot of it's what you know what, what we've already touched on. It's a question of work, working out what is what is out there that it is that you're using, um, and uh, there. I mean, one 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 thing to to be aware of is that in this area 
but quite, quite a lot of the technology involved, particularly in mo mobile technology, and obviously a lot of people, these are going to be apps that people use on, on a mobile basis, but, but more broadly than that, a lot of, you know, there are a lot of um, things people may have heard of called um, standard essential pa patterns. So this is where there are, sta there are standards involved in uh, ensuring that systems um, are interoperable with each other, that they are created to, to the right standards of security and so on. And in order to make all these things work and talk to each other, um, you know, the, a lot of our industry bodies and so on, which, which, which set out standards. The, the thing is that a lot of, a lot of these um, standards will involve, if you use them, they will involve potentially using somebody else's intellectual property rights. So perfect things called standard essential patterns or sets that people may have heard of. And so, and, and there are, there's quite, again, quite a lot of sort of com complicated law around um, how things like standard essential patents are, are used. There are um, sort of particular licensing um, agreements and conventions around them, which anyone wanting to, to use those patents um, has, to, has to sign up to, up to. There are things people may have heard of called um, licensing on FRAND terms, FRAND being fair, reasonable and non-discriminatory terms. And that may apply if you're talking about making use of um, a, a particular, for example, mobile standard, uh, then, you, then you may be getting into this quite specialised area uh, of, uh, of, pa of patent licensing in particular. Sorry, again, that was a very long answer to, I think it's <laughs> probably quite a short question. <laughs> No, that was a really helpful answer. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Tamara. Um, and just thank, thank you again for coming on today. And thank you again to everybody for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>